let's open them to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And um, I want to stay focused tonight. You know, um, <clears throat> we mentioned a week or so ago about you know, what the Bible teaches about being a steward of what God's revealing to you. And um, stewardship is not just about the financial resources or the different things that, you know, we may be like jobs that we're responsible for, assignments that we're responsible for. But we're also to steward the things that He reveals to us and the things that, that he, he shows us. And, and um, like anything else, if you'll steward what you have, He'll give you and trust you with more. And um, one of the things that, just full disclosure tonight, I love to learn, I love to study, I love to, you know, prepare notes and outlines and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, I don't know, I'm just, it's how the Lord's created me and hardwired me. And, and, uh, but what happens though is as I learn new things, I want to just jump onto those things and not finish the things that we've been talking about. I've been guilty of that over the years and, and the Lord's really been challenging me about stewarding and, and you know, the things that He's showing me, they'll, they'll keep, amen, it'll, it'll come in time. Um, and so with that said tonight, I want to be diligent to finish what we've started here in Colossians 2. Um, and it's something we'll build on as we move forward, amen. So Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6, he says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Look at me for a minute. Have you ever had one of those, you know better than that moments? You know, it's like, I know that I have. Notice, you know, he's like, look, do what you've been taught. Um, we've been taught a lot more than we've experienced. Are you understanding what I mean by that? In other words, we, we've learned a whole lot of stuff in the classroom, but sometimes our experience lags behind that. So when he's talking about being rooted and established, he's talking about walking it out, living it out, experiencing it. Um, and, and that, of course, is how we grow in faith. Not just by hearing. Don't be a hearer only, but by hearing and by doing. So we hear the Word and then we do the Word, and this is how we continue to grow in faith. Verse number 8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Alright, so we began looking at these verses um, a few weeks back, and we spent the last two Wednesday nights looking at lots and lots of verses that tell us to either lay hold or to hold fast. And I'm not going to try to repeat all of those. It, it, um, it, like I said, when I say it was a bunch of verses, those of you who were here last two Wednesday nights, you know that we looked at quite a few. And one of the things that we were really trying to 
I guess, dispel is this idea of, you know, religion tells us to let go and let God. But God tells us to lay hold and hold fast. Because we have a very real enemy who is trying to cheat us, trying to, the King James Version says, spoil us. In other words, he's, tr he's trying to take from us what is rightfully ours, what belongs to us. We're even going to see, we're not going to necessarily look there tonight, but if you were to keep reading in this same chapter, you, you would see where um, he told us to not allow um, the, the enemy to cheat us or to steal from us our reward. Our reward. How many of you know that Father is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him? He, he rewards the effort. He rewards both in this life and in the life that is to come. But if it were not a possibility for the enemy to even cheat us out of a reward that we have coming in this life, the Bible would never instruct us to, to be aware of that and, and to be on guard and, and to not allow that, to not let that happen, to not let the enemy steal from us the reward that we have coming that belongs to us because of the effort that we've put, the services that we've offered, the seeds that we've sown, and, 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 the, and, the, and the things that we've done in the, in the name of our Father. Amen. So this is, again, I think, a really important aspect of faith that I want us to understand and consider, and then after we build on this a little bit, we'll weave it back into some of the other things that the Lord's been emphasizing to us um, this year. So let's go back up to um, verse 6, and I'll put it back up on the screen. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, we have for some months now been on a sermon series entitled Walking by Faith. And I hope, and I, I was kind of praying about this earlier, I, I hope that you're not tiring of this subject because it is an inexhaustible subject. In other words, we could teach on it until Jesus comes back and not cover it all. But in, in addition to it being inexhaustible, it's, it's also extremely important. And we see that the enemy of our soul is also the enemy of our faith. He is absolutely terrified of your potential in faith. Because the faith that you've been given is the victory that overcomes the world. And all of His power is derived... What's the expression of Banana Republic? You know, I mean, in other words, where He... He derives His power by hijacking those that He rules over in this world. And as we learn to operate more and more in faith, it sets us free from a dependence upon the world system that the enemy of our soul rules over. We pointed it out earlier in our study, but we see this so poignantly 
in Genesis how Cain murdered his brother Abel. And we see that Abel's offering to God was one of faith. It was one of excellence. It was one that gave God the place that he deserves. Where Cain's offering, on the other hand, was not. It was one of, of chance and probability and, and taking his life and future into his own hands. And that's why his offering was rejected. And you see how, how violently opposed Satan and the forces of darkness are to this thing called faith, to this, to this God substance, this God force that's in our hearts and lives called faith. He literally murdered him to try to get rid of this faith example, this faith life, this, this faith recognition that was given to him. Now, The instructions in verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walking in Christ means walking in who we are, our identity in Christ. Galatians 3 says that when we were born again, we were baptized into Christ. That's talking about something far more than what some of you have done in this tank behind me. What we did publicly by being immersed in water was an outward expression of an inward reality that had already taken place. We weren't just immersed in water. If you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, you've been immersed into Christ. You have been baptized into Christ. And the Bible says that you have now put on Christ. And so we're now walking in Him. We're walking in this new identity. This, this new creation that we became, again, in Christ Jesus. If any man is in Christ Jesus, this individual has become a new creation in Christ Jesus. But again, there are a lot of people who have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, became something through that experience that they were not before, received this new identity of righteousness and, and prosperity and authority, this new identity that we became, this saint that we became, this holy, blameless, above reproach person that we became, this generous, giving person that we became, this power-filled faith-filled person that we became the day we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Many people have been baptized into Christ, but they are not yet expressing that in their outward reality of life. In other words, they're not walking in Him. It doesn't mean they're not saved. I don't, I don't have the time tonight to try to connect all those dots for you. It doesn't mean they're not saved. It means that their mind is still being renewed. It means that they're still learning how to, to walk in Him. But again, what does it mean to walk in Him? To walk in Him means to walk in who you are in Him. But it also means to walk in all that belongs to you because of who you are in Him. We receive some things the day 
we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. We received an inheritance, the Bible says. We became an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus entitled right here, right now, tonight to everything from God the Father that Jesus is entitled to. This is not the, um, the drudgery of Christianity. It's the privilege of Christianity. It's not the, you know, the, the cross to bear of Christianity. It's the great opportunity before us. We get to walk in Him. We get to walk in who we are in Him. We get the opportunity to live every day of our lives experiencing something new about ourselves we never knew. Enjoying something new that's been given to us that we didn't know was ours. It's a life of discovery. It's a life of excitement. If you're not enjoying living the Christian life, you're not doing it right, my friend. Now, tonight, among other things, I want us to make this really important connection, though. To walk in Him means to walk in everything that we became and everything that we've been given in Christ Jesus. Okay. The connection I want you to make, though, is between that and 2 Corinthians 5-7. We walk by faith, not by sight. In, in other words, if we are going to truly walk in Him, walk in who we are in Him, walk in what's been given to us because of who we are in Him, it's going to require us to walk in faith. Let me say it another way. You can't walk in all that you are and all that you've been given in Him and live by sight. The only way to do that effectively, to walk that out effectively, remember he says, he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not talking about you making some side deal with God. He's talking about what's already been done inside of you being worked out of you, working it out from the inside out, what's true about you inwardly becoming expressed in and through you outwardly. And the only way we can do that is by faith. Now, you walking in Him, this verse keeps coming back up. It came up in class a couple of times. Remember, Jesus said that because He was returning to His Father, that we would be able to do the works that He did and even greater works. Now, when we start talking about what it looks like to walk in Him, there's no way, obviously, we could ever do what Jesus did unless we're walking in Jesus. But if we're walking in Him, if we're walking out who we became in Him, remember, He's the head, we're the body. My, I'm, I'm waving my arms around up here, right? But they're part of my body. We are individual members and collectively together the body of Christ. And He is still doing what He did on the earth in a human body. He's still doing through His body now in the earth. Through men and women who will walk in Him. So does that give you some clue? When Jesus was here as a human in the flesh, He destroyed the works of the devil by faith. And this is what every one of us have the capacity to do tonight. This is why, again, the devil is so opposed. He is so determined to try to keep us from understanding and walking in faith because to walk in faith is to walk in Christ. To walk in Christ is to walk 
in faith. So I love the first part then of verse number 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. How do we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? We received Him by faith. Now, when we say simple faith, I don't mean to imply there's simple faith and then for those of you who are really advanced, there's the complicated stuff. It's all simple faith. Lord's faith, by its very nature, is simple. One of the many strategies that the enemy uses against faith is to deceive people into complicating it to deceive us into overthinking it. And I'm a thinker. And so because I am an overthinker, I have a tendency sometimes to overthink things. I admit that. The Lord knows that and He helps me with that. Thank you, Father. So when I say simple faith, I'm not trying to imply that there's something other than that. Because again, faith by virtue of what it is and how it works, is simple. It's simple. I mentioned before we started tonight that you know, there's some things the Lord's been showing me and, and I'm, not, I'm staying true to what we're here to do tonight, but one of those things involves why God set this whole system up based upon faith. And we see it in Romans 4. He made it to be by faith and grace so that the promise could be made available to everybody. What if the promise was only available to a certain gender? What if the promise was only available to a certain race? What if the promise was only available to a certain economic status? or a certain education level? What if the promise was only available to people who had spent at least five years of faithful service to God? What if the promise was only available to people who had come to church regularly for the last six months of their life? Are you understand what I'm saying? In other words, there are all kinds of ways that God could have designed and created to give us access to Himself and access to the life that He intended for us and created for each one of us to live. He made it by grace and faith so that the promise, so that the door could be open to anybody, young, old, educated, uneducated, rich, poor. Are you understand what I'm saying? In other words, we all have been given the measure of faith, which means we're all on that same ground, so to speak, at least from where we begin with that measure of faith. Thank God for this. Amen. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So when we say simple faith, it was with simple faith that we received Christ Jesus the Lord. It was with simple faith that we were born again. How simple was it? Well, let me show you how simple it was. We heard the Word concerning salvation. Faith came 
according to the Scriptures, faith cometh, that word's in italics in the, in the, in the translation, Faith was awakened, aroused. The faith that, that the measure of faith that was already in you was awakened. It was aroused. It was brought to the surface. It was brought to, uh, uh, to life, if you will, when you heard that word. You believed it in your heart, and then you acted upon it by confessing out of your mouth. You called upon the name of the Lord. You confessed out of your mouth that you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that God the Father has raised Him from the dead. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody's feathers, you know, ruffled or whatever tonight. But you can actually get saved. You can actually receive salvation with a less formal approach. If you've ever heard Gloria Copeland's testimony, her prayer went something like this, Father, if you can do anything with my life, would you please take it? Just a simple act of surrender. She was born again. The Bible says in other places, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. The thief on the cross just simply said, Jesus... Would you remember me? You see, in other words, so even like we're going to get all formal, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And see, in other words, we can see in Scripture where folks didn't even understand that much about it. It was just something in them was responding by faith to who He is and cried out from a sincere heart by faith. And that's how they received Christ Jesus the Lord. That's how we receive. Christ Jesus the Lord. Simple faith. So the next... Listen, it could be different for you or what have you, but if, if I was mapping these steps out for you, the next step I would encourage you to take by faith is to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Say, well, Pastor Mark, that, you, that's just your Pentecostal background. No, it's my word background. Jesus came to do two things for you. He came to take away your sins and He came to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So if you've called upon the name of the Lord and you've had your sins taken away from you by Jesus, then the next thing I think you ought to let Him do is baptize you in the Holy Spirit. See, this is where the devil, if we're not careful, this is where it gets, he, he'd get really subtle on you. He, he'll really, because he'll start telling you that somehow it needs a diff, you need a different kind of faith for this. No, you don't. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit the same way you receive salvation. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and you act on what it is that you say you believed. Amen. Well, let's say that you just got saved and you just got baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you got some lingering health issue in, in your body and, and, and you're finding out that the same blood that forgives and takes away sin is the same blood that the Bible says takes away sickness. And that He forgives all of my iniquities and He heals all of my diseases. Wow, okay. 
Maybe one of these days I'll get me some faith to believe for healing. No, no, see, again, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Let me ask you a quick question. What? If somebody was here tonight and they said, Pastor Mark, I've never been born again. I, I need to be born again. What would Jesus have to do in order for that person to be saved? Nothing. It's not a trick question. Nothing. He's already done everything that needs to be done for that person to be saved. All right, so let's say somebody's here tonight and they're not feeling well, dealing with some kind of health issue. Would somebody please tell me what does Jesus have to do for somebody in this room to be healed tonight? Nothing. He's already done it. We've talked about it a time or two here of late, but remember, Jesus met with a bunch of religious leaders. It was a, it was a minister's conference, right? There was a bunch of religious leaders there. And the Bible says that Jesus was in the midst, but not only was Jesus there, the power of God was present to heal the very men who came to criticize Him and find fault with Him. Is that not the mercy of God? Because the goodness of God is what draws a man to repentance. Jesus was ready to roll up his sleeves and just, I mean, just, just go nuclear on the devil. I mean, he was, I mean, he was just fixing to have one of them healing fits up in that place. And folks getting all kinds of diseases beat off of them and, and deliverance and all that. But again, those men were, were in such a frame of mind that no one was receiving. But all of a sudden they pulled the roof off. Tiles, dust started falling out of the ceiling. And here comes a paralyzed man down through the, through the ceiling, right? Through the roof. First thing Jesus said to him was, your sins be forgiven you. And they sucked all the oxygen out of the room, right? I mean, no man can forgive sins but God. Jesus asked this question. He said, which is easier? Which is easier? Aren't you glad he didn't say which is harder? Which is easier? To forgive sins? Or to restore the health of a man who's paralyzed? Well, in their day, they believed healing a man who was paralyzed was easier than forgiving sins. See, in our day, we've, somewhere along the way, that got flipped. I'll tell you why it got flipped. It's because we have, we have heard it preached that, that Jesus forgives sins. We've heard that so much, our minds have become so renewed to that, We never even question if somebody asks God to forgive them, you know, maybe He will, maybe He won't. Sometimes He does, sometimes He doesn't. We never have that, 
wait-and-see approach to forgiveness. But notice it's, it shouldn't be, but in many people's minds, in many people's, uh, you know, the way we think, the way we look at it, we, we just got through teaching almost an hour and 45 minutes on renewing the mind, right? So again, this is an area where our minds need to be renewed because somebody, same person comes forward to be healed. Start wondering, you know, why it takes so long? Why? You know, why is God not this? Why is it? You see, again, those are problems that we have. Are you following me now? These are, these are hiccups and hang-ups that we have. Notice again, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Is healing our birthright. Is it something that we inherited? In other words, is, is it something that belongs to us as sons and daughters of God? Is it one of our benefits? Forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities and who heals a few every now and then, no, all your diseases. Those benefits are linked together. We see it throughout Scripture. But notice we've become highly developed in believing God to forgive our sin, our iniquity, but we question Him healing all diseases. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Praise the name of the living God. I'm at a crossroads right here. I'm trying to figure out which way to go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me do this real quick. Praise God. You got a few more minutes? Just a few more? Let's go to verse 8 really quick like. Okay, thank you, Father. We're going to do that next week. Hebrews 11.6. I'll finish right here. Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. Amen. So, every now and then I'll recommend you committing a verse to memory. I would, I would recommend you memorizing this verse right here, please. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. The verse just ahead of this, of course, it's clear the Him here is God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and, there's an and there, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now, for those of you who have been at Heritage any length of time, you know that this is one of Pastor Mark's life verses. It's a verse I committed to memory in my early teenage years. And, and um, so, again, I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's an important verse. I've been guilty in my life of trying to please God apart from faith. Can't do it. Can't do it. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. That's how important faith is to God. It's how important our recognizing Him and acknowledging Him and giving Him place in our life. This is how important that it is. But now notice, and I want you to see something in this verse um, that's really the Holy Spirit's been, been breathing on this of late in my own life, and, and I feel like it's for, it's for us as a family of faith as well. He who comes to God must believe. It's not an option. It's a must. It's an absolute. Must believe that He is. Now, if you want to kind of think that through, it only makes sense, I guess, that if you're going to come to God, you must believe that He is because you wouldn't come to Him if you didn't believe that, there, that He was there, right? In other words, so there has to be some element or some level of belief that God exists. He who comes to God must believe that He is, comma, but here's the and, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now I do know that the Lord for sure has been saying this to all of us the last two weeks. I'm going to say it for a third week in a row now tonight. And here's the statement. Are you ready? Faith is not passive. Faith is not passive. We did not passively receive Jesus as our Savior. We acted upon something. We heard, we believed, and then we spoke. As we pointed out earlier, if we want to be very biblical and thorough about it, Romans 10 tells us the, the exact formula if there's a such thing as a formula. But again, the attitude of the heart is what's most important. Remember me when, when you enter into your kingdom, right? That was a cry from a man's heart that was sincere and it was enough for him to be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus save me. From a, from a heart that's sincere before God, that's enough to receive salvation. If you can do anything with my life, please take it and do something with it. That's enough from a sincere heart to receive this gift of salvation, right? But notice, there's no, you know, uh, passive receiving of salvation. The, the thing here is not that every I was dotted and every T was crossed in those different uh, scenarios that I spelled out for you, but notice in each one of them there was some action on behalf of the receiver. Yes? Okay. So when he says, you must believe that he is, that's important, but that alone is not enough. Simply believing that God exists is passive. Certainly our faith must begin there. But remember, he said, you must believe that he is, and then... Combined with that, you must believe that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So, so you say, well, the thief on the cross, was that diligently seeking Him to the best of His ability and His dying breath? Yes. In other words, he cried out to Jesus with the anticipation of Jesus doing something for him. Jesus helping him in some way. I don't know, maybe, maybe all that thief was expecting was, was perhaps a kind or comforting word from Jesus. I don't, I don't know what his expectations were, but notice 
He put Himself out there. Can we say it that way? He put Himself out there. By the way, He was hanging right alongside um, you know, Jesus, and then on the other side of Jesus, another cross, I'm not, uh, another man on the cross who was making fun of Jesus, was He not? They, were, they did not have clothing on. They were hanging there without clothing to be shamed and embarrassed. Okay? But then there were also a whole bunch of folks around making fun and mocking and, and the religious establishment poking and prodding Jesus figuratively and literally. So again, this was no small thing that this man did hanging there in his agony and his suffering and his shame publicly in front of everybody, when, when, when I guess most every other person at the cross was either silent or having a field day making fun of Jesus. So certainly by asking Jesus to help him, he was opening himself up even more to be ridiculed and shamed and laughed at. But notice, none of that mattered. This man took us, this, this was a step of faith. This was a diligent effort on this man's part to seek the Lord. And was he rewarded? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James chapter 2. And verse 19 says this, You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Do you realize how many people confess a belief in God and have zero response to that belief? In other words, he's basically saying if you only believe that God exists, you have the same belief that the devils have. The devils believe that. And even more so, the devils respond with a tremble towards the thought of it. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, faith without works is dead. So I'll finish with this statement. It takes more than believing God exists to receive from Him. It takes more than believing God can do something to receive that something from Him. Simply believing that God exists and just one notch above that belief, believing that God can because He's God, Important first steps, but that's not, that's not how we received the Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't just receive the Lord Jesus Christ because we believe God exists. We did not receive the Lord Jesus Christ because we believed that He could save us. It wasn't until we acted on that faith that we received. Are you seeing this? The salvation. There's a lot of people who are going to wind up in hell one day who believe God exists. A lot of people, a lot of people who are missing out on what God desires to do in their lives because they believe that He is and that He can, but they don't believe that He will or that He has. It's for a different 
sermon for a different night. Do you believe, anybody know who Warren Buffett is? He's one of the wealthiest men on planet Earth. He's a multi-billionaire. Some of you know Mama Ellen, Mama Ellen Jones, her husband, Tom. He's with the Lord now. Some of you may know this, some of you may not. Tom Jones got born again. He got fired up about helping people, serving people. He wrote Warren Buffett a, a, a long letter and asked him to uh, basically create a trust that Brother Tom could oversee and bless people and help people. And he told him about people in his church that he wanted to hear at Heritage, he wanted to help and all that stuff. And, of course, Warren Buffett sent him a kind reply, you know, and said we basically... Um, participate in a lot of charitable organizations, but we don't get involved in religion, you know, that kind of thing, so whatever. Simple question, though. Because he's a multi-billionaire, do you believe that he can give you $100,000 tonight? I mean, he's got it, so... But do you see the difference between believing that Warren Buffett can compared to believing that he will? Do you see the difference there? Sometimes I think we let the devil deceive us into thinking that because we believe God can, that somehow that's, that's the faith that we need to receive from Him. That's not, that's, that's not the faith that, that receives from God, believing God can. It'd be more like what Brother Tom did. Tom wrote him a letter. <laughs> you got to love that, Brother, man. <laughs> wrote him a letter, right? We have a Father who's not just able but who's willing, who's willing. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank You for the things that You're revealing to us. And Father, we thank You for the opportunities that You have made available to us. Father, You withheld no good thing from Your children. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us your name. You've given us your kingdom. You've given us your word. You've given us access to yourself. You've given us eternal life. You've given us your divine nature. You, you have given us your faith. You, you've given us your joy and your peace and access, Father, to your wisdom. Again, you withheld no good thing from us. Father, help us to have that attitude of heart that says, I'm going to lay hold and I'm going to hold fast. I'm going to lay hold by faith and I'm going to hold fast by faith these things that Jesus paid such a high price for us to become in such a high price for us to be given. I thank you, Father, tonight for the presence of your Holy Spirit and for the love with which you've loved us. Help us, Father, respond in like kind, Father. Help us to long for you the way you long for us. to pursue you the way you've pursued us. To seek you the way Jesus came 
to seek and find us. Father, as we go our separate ways tonight, may we walk by faith, walk in the Spirit, and walk in Jesus. And we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck. Love somebody in Jesus. Thank you so much for being here. You have a blessed rest of your week. I'll see some of you in the morning.